Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. We are back with a brand new episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. Thank you for being here this week as I am excited to welcome to the show Houston Baptist University co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach Roger Henshaw. Coach Henshaw and I get into a number of topics around the game of football, around the importance of competition. And one thing that pops up during this episode that you're going to find some incredible value in is the importance of pushing through adversity and obstacles. See, too often today, I feel like we get into this habit of seeing things online, of hearing things in the media, and expecting things to be given to us. We expect rewards to be given. We expect the pursuit of goals to be easy. And when they aren't, many of those times we quit. Most people give up when that adversity strikes. Coach Hinshaw and I talk about this in a number of different ways from player transfers to players walking into programs and not having that competitive drive to the expectation to start early or to have a job be handed to them. When in all reality, just like everything else in life, you have to go earn it. And how do you earn it? How do you maintain focus and competitive drive? That's one of the things we get into this week. And so I am excited you're here. Whether this is your first time to the show, welcome to Compete Every Day. We are stoked to have you check this episode out. And if you've been a longtime listener and you're back for more, it's always good to reconnect with those friends, those people out there making moves just like yourself, competing every day to get better. That's what inspires us. That's what inspires everyone watching you. And always know that people are watching you. So before I keep rambling, let's rock and roll this Tuesday morning and welcome to the show of Houston Baptist University with well over 30 years of college coaching experience, Coach Roger Henshaw. Coach Henshaw, welcome to the show today. Good morning, Jake. Thank you. Hey, I'm excited to have you here. Why don't you introduce everyone a little bit to who you are? I mean, you've got over three decades of coaching experience. Uh, Share a little bit about who you are, where you are now, and then we'll dive into the the fun conversation around competition. You bet, Jake. Um, My name is Roger Henshaw. I'm an assistant football coach at Houston Baptist University in in Houston, Texas. That's nice how that matches up. This uh, coming fall will be the 47th year that I've been in football coaching at uh, several different levels. And um, we have uh, been here since 1994 in the city of Houston. We came here uh, with the head coach that I worked with for 23 years. His name was Ken Hatfield. And we worked together at the Air Force Academy, the University of Arkansas, Clemson. And then we spent 12 years at Rice University. And at that point in time, he retired and so uh, we kind of were out there all of a sudden having to fend for ourselves. Uh, but our uh, children were established here in Houston. And um, I kind of bounced around a little bit with some jobs at, um, uh, away from home at Duke University, Lamar University in Beaumont. 
had a couple of high school jobs here in the Texas area, but the family remained together uh, here. And um, we we're fortunate to have them all in one place right now with four grandchildren. So, um, you know, the, the uh, part about coaching that makes you nomadic sometimes uh, is a plus and a minus as people who are out there who have moved around with their families know and children are much more resilient than you think. And um, it just worked out great here because all three of our uh, girls were athletes. So when we moved here to Houston, they were able to start in a small group, which was their team or the sport they were in and work to the larger group, which was the high school where they were going. So, you know, those things that you kind of get concerned about with your family and moving around. um, We just feel blessed to have been where we've been and seen the things we've seen uh, that football coaching has provided for us. I love that coach. And obviously it's coaching as long as you've have, you've seen the game change dramatically in a number of areas and stay the same in the number of areas. I know from a, a defensive standpoint, more and more of these offenses are spreading it out uh, where 10 years ago, even you didn't see things like that. What has been the most fun challenge for you coaching throughout your career? Well, I think uh, in regards to the nuts and bolts of, of the coaching part, you know, being in, uh, being in those meetings and trying to get your game plan and, and learn things about what you're facing and be with some guys that are that are really challenged, you know, to get things right. Um, but I guess probably the the ultimate payback, uh, be it good or bad, with uh, what you're doing is, you know, you you come in after the game and you look back at what you did and. Sometimes, you know, you're sitting in there in that locker room, you go, man, that was a great game plan. And then some other times you're thinking, what the heck were we thinking before? Uh, and, and those are the fun times, you know, to see how that that plays out. Uh, I think that, um, you know, coaching in general and working with kids is that that there obviously are more challenges now uh, in coaching uh, because at, when I played, uh, which was was obviously quite a while ago, uh, and through the 60s and then first started coaching for, gosh, probably the first 20 years of, of my career, then the coaching part was a, a group mentality, a everybody does the same thing. Everybody has to be motivated the same way. Um, and it's changed to the point where, you know, you've got to figure out uh, each one of your players, what are, what are his buttons, uh, what will make him thrive by treating him individually and and then also a little more of a personal touch in knowing the uh, individual kid that you're dealing with whereas before as I said it was just more of that group and uh, there wasn't quite as much interaction between coach and player as there needs to be now because uh, of just the difference in the culture uh, what kids see at home all their lives uh, compared to what they're doing now coming to college. And so, you know, I, I think that, uh, that obviously the, the argument uh, is um, pretty strong on both sides of the fence on this one is that you could say as a coach, hey, the kids are different these days. But then you hear the other part of the, uh, uh, the, the part of the discussion, and that is that the kids aren't different, the parents are different. And, and I think that's probably one of the bigger things that uh, – the younger you are, the um, the more the, that you deal with that. Uh, excuse me. The younger the kids are, the more you deal with that. In the fact that you, you know now you're starting to have to deal with 
parents on a regular basis instead of the kid. And uh, so that presents another challenge, obviously, especially, you know, to um, high school coaches, uh, junior high coaches. Um, but but let me let me tell you this. When, when parents are kind of crazy doing stuff like that, that it doesn't matter whether you're at the Houston Baptist University or whether you're at your local junior high now, when they're in it, they're in it. And uh, that's been kind of the things that, that um, have been probably the biggest changes and, and movements throughout coaching, you know, uh, besides the obvious, as you stated. I mean, it, it's where, you know, you can get almost all 11 guys within five yards of the ball. And now you can't even do that you know, <laughs> when it comes to their, the formations and the spread stuff. So hopefully that wasn't, you know, too far off of what the original question was. But no, that's that's it's always interesting because it's, it's usually you always see the X's and O's, but away from the game, you see so many dramatic changes that. I know you up front having a front row seat to that would be able to acknowledge. Let me ask you from on along those same lines, from a competitiveness standpoint, do you feel players today coming into programs are more or less or the same competitive as they were back in the nineties when you were, you know, at Rice or Clemson right. or, you know, earlier in your coaching career, 20, 30 years ago? I, I think uh, I think Jake that the um, that those kids uh, now are the same way that that they used to be when we would get them uh, and and understand uh, at the college level where I am and have been for so long. You're recruiting these guys and bringing them in for a specific purpose, and and they have to understand why they're here. When you're a high school coach your challenges are that there are a number of reasons that uh, the kids are out there on the team, everything from the guy that is hyper driven to the guy that just wants to be with his friends. And it's, and it's a social thing and you need all of them, you know, to make the whole thing work. So when you come to the college level, then, then obviously what, uh, what you see is uh, when you take the freshman the first day and you say, raise your hand if you're second string on your school team, well, obviously nobody does. So now all of a sudden you look around and you're sitting in a room with pretty much the best players on a lot of other teams, as opposed to you just always being the best player on your team. So the competitive juices that need to flow uh, should automatically kick in when you look around and realize I'm, I'm not the uh, top dog here anymore, uh, but I can be if I keep working and establish myself like I did before, you know, because at some point in time as a high school freshman, you looked around and you wanted to be like somebody. Well, when you get to college and you're a college freshman, you go in that weight room that first day, and you start looking around going, wow, you know, I like to be like him. So you kind of recreate what you have already been through a little bit uh, to try to get yourself to a point now where competitively, um, you know, you're going to be back where you think you are uh, or you were when you finished your high school career to be back that same place as you go through college. So uh, I think kids are the same today about that drive, the guys that have it. The, the part of the culture that has changed a little bit is not being challenged as much sometimes in life about what you got to do and how hard you got to work to get something that that's where the uh, probably an overused word obviously is is the entitlement that happens sometimes with um, 
kids who have had sort of the um, sort of the the easier time. Uh, I'm speaking in general terms, you know, easier time growing up. Yeah. Uh, or um, economically, it's been uh, much smoother for them. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's it's always the same about those guys that really want to be better. They're they ain't changed a lick now. I mean, they're ready to come in there and, and kick somebody's butt the first day. You know, that that's where they start. It's that first day. And, you know, the the phrase we use, you only have one time to make a first impression, you know, and they make a first impression on you. The first five minutes you're in practice with a guy. So um, ho- hopefully that answers kind of what you're you're asking. Yeah. Uh, no, it- look at. Uh, the body of kids that you see, you know, every day. It does. It does. And, and it's, it's interesting that, you know, you brought up that resilience factor, those kids that are sometimes more competitive, have a little bit more grit when it comes to those trainings as off seasons. It's because they've slowly developed that muscle and that mindset throughout the course of their life with things away from the sport that, They've had no control over, but they've had to find a way to overcome that. Right. I, I, I think the um, one of the things in, in the competitive aspect of making the move to the next level, what, whatever that is for you, uh, is that uh, for us getting a guy that has uh, been growing up with the players he was in on, on his high school team, uh, speaking here in uh, terms of, a life where you didn't move around all the time or something. So once, you know, you get to a certain place, you kind of look around and you know, everybody, you know, who's fast, who's not, who's strong, uh, who's not a threat to me anymore. I'm the guy, I'm the starting running back or whatever it is. And I don't have to worry about anybody pushing me because I just know these people. And then suddenly you're thrust into a place where you're sitting in a room, you look around and you don't know any of those things that you used to know. And so if you have very many insecurities or you it just kind of happened to you before and you didn't really notice how hard you had to work sometimes, then that becomes a struggle because you're now at a place where you're reestablishing yourself as a player. How do I get back to that place where I was before? And and that's a little bit more difficult because you are doing things that you're you go out there every day. You're not expecting that guy to be that fast or that strong, whereas before you had that comfort zone. So guys that don't get out of their comfort zone very much, they got to watch out when they come to school because they're going to be out of their comfort zone because people are faster. They're bigger. Uh, The biggest difference when you jump from a lower level to the next level uh, in what I've seen, you know, that's high school to college, college, the NFL, the big people move faster than you just you're you're looking at a guy that's 230 pounds that runs like a guy used to play on your high school team with that was 180. And so obviously the pounds per square inch impact are a little bit more, you know, than they were before. And and when, when that rocks you on your heels, how are you going to respond to that? And and then that's how you begin to build your legacy as a player to get back to the place where, you know, I'm a starter just like I was before. Um, some kids buy in sooner than others do. How did you, how do you encourage as, as you and your coaches are out when you're recruiting and you're talking to to kids and their families as sophomores, juniors, seniors, how are you encouraging them or challenging them to adopt more of that mindset before they get to you? Um, Be comfortable with that discomfort. Right. Um, 
you know, the uh, one of the advantages that we have here at, at HBU or when we were at Rice and even when I was at the University of Arkansas, because we recruited the state of Texas. And I'm, I'm sure people in other states are going to take uh, offense at this. But, you know, we, we felt feel like that high school football here is, is a big deal in, in Texas, you know, and. We find as we go out that there are kids that are being challenged a lot because they're um, working with some uh, knowledgeable guys. Um, you know, they're working on teams where there is competition. Uh, I, I think probably the biggest thing that um, that I can say uh, to help a guy, uh, and as you're talking to the parents about that, is if he's been on a team where he had to actually compete to be able to play in the game, and not just roll in there every day and know, hey, I'm, I'm just going to take the day off kind of because there's nobody going to challenge me. Though That's the difference when you get to the, to the college level or, or the NFL level is you got to compete every day. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You got to compete every day to get your job uh, to, to and then protect that job when you get it because there's so much competition. And, and so you're talking to uh, to kids and parents, you know, you got to make sure today when you go out to practice, today's practice is a game. Or you need to be sure that every drill that you do, don't waste repetitions and drills just going through them. So it, uh, it becomes also a, a concept that uh, employers love people that when they get to work every day, their question is, what do I need to do today? Not what do I have to do today? So guys that come out to practice every day and all they want to know is, okay, what do I, what do I have to do today? What are we doing today? as opposed to guys that come out there and say, Coach, what do I need to do today to get better, get faster, start? Those are the guys with that competitive edge because they're searching for what needs to be done, not what has to be done. Love that. And that's obviously that's key for, as you mentioned, in in careers well past football. What are some things that you guys do uh, there on your staff during the offseason to encourage that that competitive drive, that competition factor when games are so far away that for some players, it, it takes them a little time to, to develop that focus to understand what I'm doing now matters for what I'm going to be doing this fall. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the biggest part of what um, that you're talking about uh, is that the, to understand that the uh, culture that the uh, improvement and that everything that they would do, be it a go outside with a strength coach and agility drills or in the weight room on the platforms, whatever it is um, that they're doing, that the team is really built and you are uh, improving individually in the off season more than during the season, because during the season, it's the game plan, it's this team, this little nuance to what we normally do and all those things. And so we're rolling along and sometimes some of those things kind of fall, you know, in the, into the uh, background because of what you're doing, get ready for the game for that week. And so they, they just hear that all the time is this is the culture building, personal improvement. Uh, doesn't matter about uh, this probably sounds strange. Doesn't matter about September, the first game, it matters about what you're doing before the first game that will make you the best player and then make us the best team. So it's just kind of a continual reminder of what uh, this time of the year be like for us 
more or less January through uh, whenever you have spring practice or maybe just the spring semester um, of how teams are really built because of the focus when the season starts versus the focus in an off-season program where, like you said, there's not a game that week. How, how do you get through the grind? How do you get to a place, you know, where you're saying, holy smokes, we got three more weeks of this? <laughs> that's just where that, uh, you know, that's just where the guys that are your leaders, as it is in any organization, can look around and see if, if the, the greater good is not being serviced here. And once you get to, and this is key here, Jake, once the program is player driven, it's a whole lot better than when it's coach driven. And speaking as a coach who gets his, who gets worn out when I'm the guy or any of us that has to go out and we be, we're the encouragers, we're the motivators, we're the whatever it is every day, as opposed to the players driving that every day, then um, it, it wears us out, wears me out. But when you get to those teams where those guys are the people that are actually running stuff, uh, then it's a much smoother run organization, way smoother. Because, you know, if something gets, if something goes on and it gets to my office, it's a problem. If it gets to the head coach's office, it's a big problem. So if it's a player-driven team, that might not ever get out of the locker room to my office or the head coach's office. That's when the team runs much smoother than when we're having to do all the stuff all the time. Which is obviously what you want. And, and obviously it's something that not only do you want inside a football team, a, a football program, but it's something that people listening to the show, whether they're you know business owners or managers on larger teams, that's what you want as well. You want to be able to deal with those issues within those organizations and teams and have leaders that are able to kind of help that situation. I, I want to switch gears on you just a little bit, knowing that you've raised three very competitive daughters uh, as well as, as seen now as they're very active in the, the sport of CrossFit and, and in that fitness space. Growing up, what are some ways that you instilled in them a sense of competition, but a, a positive sense of competition? Um, I think uh, when, when um, uh, and Lynn and I were talking about this, my wife, um, a little bit here in the past, but you know how you kind of sit around now. We're not quite in the rocking chairs of the hammocks yet doing that, but, you know, talking about the, the girls because the latest thing that uh, has happened with Beth here, our oldest, uh, again this year. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it seemed to be a, a real part of, you know, the, ever since they've grown up, they've come to the office, they've come to the games, they've been at practices. They hear dad talk about, you know, this kid doesn't do this because of that. This guy's a great guy because of this. And um, and we tried to let them uh, um, I say that, you know, because they, they just knew how important certain things were that coaches talk about. And, and then when it came time for them to decide uh, early on in their lives, what do they do? What did they want to try? Then then they knew that if they they started something, then they were going to finish it. And. Um, we didn't ever do anything that stopped in the middle. We never gave up or never allowed them to give up. And um, we were just fortunate that uh, that they had a certain, whatever they decided to do, Jake, they tended to have a certain amount of um, uh, ability, you know, to be a little bit successful at that to start with. 
And, and so once that happened, you know, then they began to feel their juices to, to be successful in whatever it is they were doing. But also they started looking at each other because, you know, early on, they would all three kind of do the same thing. They were all three heavy, heavy in gymnastics early in their, um, in their lives. And, and so all of a sudden now, you know, it's, it's who does the best cartwheel, who does the best this, who does the best that. Uh, and, and that began to go between them, not ever really getting out of hand where we saw anything negative going on. So we just never really tried to put a tap on it. We just kind of, we just got to let it go the way that it was uh, going to take their, their juices every day. And, and then once they got uh, up to junior high school age, began to kind of separate into things that they were a little more interested in than, than other things um, uh, that they were doing together. So consequently, that became their avenue to compete uh, on their team, although they did always look around and find out who was doing the best in their sport compared to each other. Uh, but I just don't remember, uh, when, I'm sure some parents are wondering, you know, we make them do something, uh, never made them do anything, just never let them um, hang it up till it was the end of the season. If you don't like this thing, it's okay. Uh, but we're going to go through to the end because you made a commitment to that coach. You made a commitment to that team. If that's what it was, a team sport. And so you need to stick it out. Um, and, and so I hope that kind of answers your question because it, I don't mean for it to be vague, but I don't remember ever going through the seven step process of making sure your, your child competes. Um, no, they, that's, that's you know, interesting. You know, with, my dad was a very similar approach in terms of once you started that season, you were playing till the end of that season. Like, it, you know, you go through a slump playing baseball as a little kid and you're like, I don't want to play anymore. He's like, tough. You started, you get better. You finish the season. If you don't want to play next year, that's great. Uh, and so I remember him talking to me and, and teaching me that piece from perseverance, but I'm always fascinated with coaches uh, because they're so, you know, they're so used to coaching guys and, and their sport. And so I don't know if they take a different approach sometimes, but it sounds like your daughters had the opportunity to learn by watching and seeing the things that you talked about with your work and, and the importance of certain characteristics and attributes. And they naturally, because they knew you loved and supported them, they naturally wanted to do those things that they saw as, as positive benefits. Obviously today, there's a lot of talk and we've had a lot of conversations on this show about participation trophies. And <laughs> one no. of the reasons I just hate them, uh, dramatically hate them is something that you mentioned earlier in the show of the kids that come in sometimes a little more competitive are the ones that have had to overcome certain adversities in life. They haven't had things completely handed to them. Whereas now I feel like you've got a, a strong divide. You look in college football, for instance, where you are and, and I read a stat recently about uh, five-star quarterbacks and the fact that of the last eight of the last 11 and nine of the last 15 five-star quarterbacks transferred schools after the first year because they didn't win the job. Right. Absolutely. Which is crazy because you think 10, even 10 years ago, much less farther back, like a freshman is not playing from day one, especially at a position like quarterback. And now these guys are so used to expecting it. Um, Scott Van Pelt on ESPN last night did a a rant on the new transfer rule that you you know coaches now can't block transfers, and 
and he he understood the point and said, I get that when coaches change jobs, but what about when players roll in, they immediately aren't gratified and, and get this position and then they change. How, what do you see a change with that in terms of, of players expecting to earn everything quicker? now with your the guys you see and and work with or i know you mentioned earlier guys are still kind of the same uh but do you see any differences in that or is it more of just cultural issue and and it's not something you guys at and your program have had to directly deal with uh i think um that that is a very valid point about uh kids transferring because of the the point at which they don't understand how much work might have to go into earning that position. Um, and, and so it seems that it's a little bit more uh, prevalent at, at those positions where there's like one guy and you line up behind that one guy, you know, I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, you know, you need five of them to play. So you're going to need a lot of guys, you know, to make that thing work. But when you're a quarterback, um, Sometimes when you're a receiver, because there's only one ball and he can't get it every play. And so uh, the patience level and what guys are, are looking for, uh, I think that uh, that drives exactly what you're saying. So, you know, as you look at the transfer process that uh, Van Pelt was talking about, it tends to be more toward those single person to play that position guys, running backs, quarterbacks. Uh, sometimes receivers because of there's only one ball concept and, and the running backs too. Uh, you know, defensively, uh, the secondary guys seem to be guys that um, that do the most transferring. Um, and, and so the, the point of, of them not getting the instant gratification goes back to what we were talking about earlier, and that is, Exactly how do I have to work to get this done? I, I mean, I didn't have to do this in high school. I was just the guy. Well, have I got to come here and either sit for a while or um, I'm better than he is. And, and my dad said I was better than he is. And so if I'm not going to be the starter, then I'm going to go somewhere to be the starter. Uh, and then once, uh, and a lot of parents know this, once you quit one time, that next time, it don't eat at you quite as much as it did that first time. If that, if it did, you know, and then if there's another time, then there's another time and it begins to get easier. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guy's transcript looks like a scratch pad because he's been around so many places. And then um, the tendency generally is it becomes unemployable. He's going to go work and I'm not getting enough money for the work I'm doing. I'm going to go get another job. And, And so Without waxing philosophically here, you know, it, it, those things tie together in life, just like we were talking about a while ago. The, the positive things we're talking about in athletics are positive things that work for you uh, when you go to work every day. I yeah, I, I mean, that's and that hits the nail on the head. Once you quit once, it's much easier to quit that second time. You don't need quite as long to think about it. Uh, you start to develop almost that momentum of a, a snowball going down a mountain, turning into an avalanche. Each time you do it, you're just picking up more me- more momentum. This case in a negative direction. Uh, yeah, it's it's always just an interesting thing to me, and and especially as we see social media rise and and guys seeing more and more of what's going on. I, 
I always wonder about a lot of those situations where guys transfer because sometimes you have situations where guys transfer, it works out, and they're they're transferring for the right reasons. And then right. you have a lot of times where guys are transferring because they're not getting to start from day one. And part of me kind of laughs at that of thinking, well, what happens when you're drafted in the NFL? Right. Like unless you're a first round pick where they've invested millions you've got to earn your way up. And even then as a first rounder, you've got to earn your way up. So if you can't beat out this guy, what makes you think going somewhere else is going to allow you to beat that guy out? Well, here's, uh, here, here's, um, um, something that, um, uh, I've heard a lot here probably in the last 15 years or something that, uh, one of the things here in Texas and, and maybe a lot of places that you hear from parents sometimes is, well, high school coaches weren't promoting, my son, they didn't do a very good job. So he's not getting a scholarship or nobody's recruiting him right now. Um, and, and then the other thing that, that I have heard as a college coach is, well, you didn't get me in the NFL. Well, the, the thing about that uh, statement is that, number one, uh, my job at Houston Baptist University is to go into high school and evaluate the potential players, and then with with the other coaches on defense and the head coach, we make the decision who we think can play for us. And uh, so that comes off of usually a recommendation from the high school coach, not the seven on seven coach, not that uh, not that kind of a league. We don't mess with those guys. It's the high school coach recommends them as a human being. Um, questions you ask them are, you know, is he coachable? Uh, does he work every day at practice? Has he missed practice for no reason? Um, and, and this is obviously too, Jake, after we've kind of um, looked at the academics and they're going to fit that piece of the puzzle too. So uh, we get that information from the coach. We look at the video and that's what they don't understand. The video is your resume. And when I go to a, uh, in Texas, we have spring practice, full padded spring practice, like many other States. And so I'm going to go to his school in April and May. I'm going, to, I'm going to watch him practice and make sure that he's six foot, 200 pounds or whatever he's supposed to be. Um, and and you, you try to tell those guys because you'd be surprised sometimes how many kids just kind of jack around at practice because it's spring practice. It's not the season. It's a job interview. All these coaches standing over there on the sidelines at practice with those little emblems on their shirts, they're potential employers. It's a it's a job interview for you. Why are you not busting your butt to show them what kind of a player you are? And and so I make the decision along with our coaches. Each position coach does. It's not uh, it's not the fact that uh, the the head coach is not promoting me. I, I knew who the guy was before I ever got there, based on all his recruiting services and things. And so when I get that same statement from a kid who's in college going to NFL, I said, look, we've had scouts from every uh, NFL team come through here like they do every year. Uh, we give them the name of every senior on the team. They take the video and they go in there and they look at the video and they come in and ask us questions about your character, all those things. You know, we ask the questions. That video was your resume. He looked at the video. I, I can't talk an NFL guy into taking, uh, putting him on the draft list and a high school coach. It's not going to say, hey, no, you better take Johnny over there. And I even looked at Johnny just because the coach said that. 
So, you know, the, 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 the parents and stuff get their, get their stuff on in a wad about that. It's the video resume. That's what we try to tell them uh, when you're recruiting me is look, uh, if you're a guy that's going to be taken off of your senior video, maybe maybe you hadn't got all these five star things by your name, and you hadn't gotten 14 offers, or uh, blessed to get my 16th offer from wherever that you see on social media so much now. Um, that resume that you put out there is what's going to help you as a senior. So uh, I think that's that's kind of where you have to to kind of get it might go back a little bit more to the question you asked me before when you're talking to parents and, and kids about those things is that the the high school coach or the college coach is not making the decision for the person that's getting ready to try to recruit you. That person that's getting ready to recruit you or draft you is going to make that decision. And and so that's, that's where parents tend to get involved a little bit more and try to drive the process and driving the process is what that old boy puts out there on that video. When you look at it, you know, he's either going to knock the crap out of you or he's going to run fast, catch balls, you know, and do things he's supposed to do, or he's not. I mean, uh, uh, a, uh, and of course this goes along with uh, what I'm looking at here on the screen. Um, Pete Carroll all the time when he was at Southern Cal, and I'm sure now is you're either competing or you're not. You're on the practice field. You're competing or you're not. There's no middle. I'm going to do half of it, not all that kind of stuff. Compete or not compete. That's up to you every day. That's right. And and as as we both know from experience playing and, and you a much more storied career being around the game, there's a big difference when you walk off the field as a player knowing you gave 100% in practice, preparation, and on game day. If you right. sometimes you come out ahead, sometimes you come out behind. But if you walk off the field knowing that versus walking off the field realizing I should have gone harder in practice, probably shouldn't have done this, and I wasn't locked in during the game. Like that's yeah. the things that haunt you years after your career's over. Oh, absolutely. Now, I mean, the thing that you you try to to have a kid understand, and and I guess a, a person uh, is that if you walk off that field and you have done your dead level best, and you're the only one knows that in your heart, you've done your dead level best, everything you can do. And some other guy that you played against did his dead level best and everything he could do when his best is better than your best, then you just dust it off and walk on down the road. Cause that's all you can do. You cannot do anymore. And so as long as you're doing that and you get beat because somebody else is a little bit better, that's life. That's life, you know, let's, let's move on here and I'm going to keep growing. But you know that you're the only person as the player or the, the employee that knows in their hearts between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. I did everything I could today. I know that. And so that's where sometimes, like you said, later on, you realize I was just kidding myself about having done my best or the preparation or the mental preparation, you know, or studying the game video or whatever it is I need to do. You're the only guy that knows that pretty much. Yeah. And it's, that makes all the difference in the world and in life. Uh, All the difference coach. This has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate your time today. If people want to follow along uh, with you guys this season with HBU, uh, see what you guys are about or just see some of the stuff that you talk about. Is there a social media platform that's best that you're at least posting active on that you want people to check out? 
Oh, yes. Uh, it's our um, HBU football, Huskies, H-U-S-K-I-E-S, huskiesfootball.com. And uh, just you get your general information and all the things, you know, that uh, that you want to look and follow along. And, um, you know, in building a program, I mean, we're a fifth year program now. We just started. Uh, and there are a lot of things that go on that there's improvement in the program uh, that's going on all the time. It, the scoreboard is the last thing to catch up with that. You know, you can't suddenly start judging whether or not things are going okay by looking at what the score is. Uh, there are other things that get better before that happens. And so we're getting to a point now where the scoreboard is becoming a little bit more of a factor. And, you know, we've been building. And so, um, you know, we just try to be sure that um, as we're dealing with kids in the culture now, you know, that, that, um, that there are limits to the talent that's available to each kid. But there's no limit to the uh, toughness that's available to each player. And so talent is really a gift. Toughness is a choice. And that's what we want to try to find those guys can make that choice on that day-to-day toughness, um, you know, that you have. And uh, I just appreciate uh, you uh, being there, being part of my daughter's life, Beth. And um, she was one of those uh, overachievers. Don't tell her that this is really not very possible or I'm not sure you can do this now. And, and those uh, other two along with her just could not lay down the competitive juices that you develop over your life. And so uh, CrossFit is what has been um, that avenue for them since they laid down their formal uh, competition uh, to, to try to go on with life. So, um, and, and let me tell you now, they're still jacking each other around now when, when somebody does something a little bit better on the lift or whatever it is now, it's, it's more brutal now than it used to be. I think. I, uh, it might be, I, I, I've had a, uh, I've had the honor and pleasure of having a front row seat to seeing a lot of those competitions w- with them. And, and obviously your wife is always gracious to swing by our trade show booth with rice Krispie treats. So, uh, <laughs> there you it's, have been it. a, it's been a, it's been a fun ride over the last number of years of getting to see them, uh, and watch them coach. I appreciate your time today. This has been absolutely awesome. Thank you for joining the show. You bet Jake. Anytime, man, we'll get together some other time here. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To learn more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. To connect with Jake or contact the show, email us at podcast at CompeteEveryDay.com. And as always, keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday.